All right, I'm Nick from the St. Paul Filmcast, and with me is... Uh, Timothy Mikey. Mikey, how you doing? Uh, guests, guests get to dedicate it. So what would you like to dedicate this episode to? Oh, I think I will uh, dedicate this episode to my sisters, uh, Deborah Fretham, who inspired me to get into acting in the first place. Yeah. And my other sister, Lisa McCarty, who is a nurse in Florida. Are you in the middle, or are you the youngest? I'm the youngest. I'm the baby of the family. Oh, they, I'm sure they, uh, they instructed you very well. Oh, yes. I, I grew up with uh, basically five mothers. Uh, my real mother, my two sisters, and my one of my grandmothers is a very strong woman as well. So you were, you were surrounded. That's wonderful. I love it. Back on the St. Paul Filmcast, I'm Nick, the host. Um, before we get started in talking with Timothy, I want to, want to let you know that I do have a YouTube channel uh, with film reviewer Carl uh, Kyle Gothy. So Kyle and I review films. It's called Kyle and Nick on Film. I'll put the link down below, uh, and we review two movies a week. So now we're up to two movies a week. You can check us out. You get to see what I look like. Um, sadly, we don't get to see what Timothy looked like today, but we get to see his nice voice. Um, uh, please welcome Timothy Mikey. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Very glad to be here today. So I, from the intro, I gather that acting is a new thing for you, kind of a little bit news for you. Well, I wouldn't say that. Um, I basically grew up uh, watching my older sister act in com community theater. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, she's quite a bit older than me, actually. And I checked uh, the, the birth certificate. She is my sister. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I have heard stories about other people. But, uh, yeah, yeah um, so I basically grew up watching her perform in community theater productions. And then I did my first... If you don't count elementary school, I did my first real play oh. in eighth grade. I played the Great Goblin in the play The Hobbit. Oh, okay, all right. So you, so it's not a, like a not a start, but you 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 did a little bit of it as a kid. A little bit of it as a kid. As okay. A, uh, not a lot, but in junior high school and high school, I I did a few plays. Yeah. Um, I had a teacher in high school, a drama who was kind of a, well, he wasn't a very terribly nice person. Like, he was very salty, way. huh? He was very salty, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, it and, does happen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't that great a teacher either, but uh, I remember he said, when you get out into the acting theater world, uh, directors are going to be guys like me. And I was like, well, if directors are guys like you, I don't think I want to be in the theater world. <laughs> the legendary uh, Michael Turk. Curtis, who did Casablanca, was very militant on his sets, and he's probably saying that's what's going to be like for everybody. But yeah, I think yeah. that's what he meant to say. But you know, I, I kind of take things the wrong way sometimes. But uh, yeah, the, um, it, it all becomes the experiences, the introduction of acting, um, and he did a little bit of stage. Did you always want to go back to doing stage? Yeah, well, like I uh, said, I didn't do theater for a long time after high school because of that. But, um, and again, this is due to my sister. Uh, she was in a play and they needed men. Of course, you know, everybody knows community theaters always need men. And <laughs> yes, yes. she talked me into doing the My Fair Lady with her. And uh, oh, after great. that, I did quite a lot of theater for quite a long time. So, what was your part in My Fair Lady? Uh, well, I had several parts. I was, oh, okay. I was yeah. technically in the chorus, but. Uh, it's kind of funny, when the director came to talk to me, I, I said to him, I'll be in this show, just don't give me too much to do. <laughs> and I ended up doing quite a few things. I, I had some lines, I even had a solo, and uh, I'm glad he pushed me. A little to, bit, yeah. A little bit, yes. Which uh -huh. is kind of the theme of the, the movie, isn't it? To kind of get you out of your 
environment to yeah. kind of blossom a little bit. I guess you could say that. I never thought of it that way before. Yeah, because Eliza Doolittle's transfixate, you know, her transition from the street corner mm-hmm. into something elegant that she never thought she could actually do. And actually, no, nobody thought she could do. Right. Yeah. yeah, I never thought of it that way. That's yeah. a good point. I remember watching. Do you still watch the movie, My Fair Lady? I, I have it at home on DVD. I haven't watched it in a while. I like the films. I like the costuming and the mm-hmm. film set. Yeah. Do you have a, like a Do you have a, a a musical? Is that kind of your favorite musical? Or do you have another musical that you? Ah, uh, well, I have several favorite musicals. I like uh, the Music Man. Of um, oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, what else do I like? There's one that few people, well, maybe not as many people have heard of. It's called uh, Of Thee I Sing. Uh, I've never actually heard of that. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the only. Pulitzer-winning musical. Uh, it was written in the 1930s, and it's about a did presidential it, election. Did it start as a play? It's, it started out as a play, I believe. Okay. Yes. Um, but it's, a, it's about a presidential election, so... It's the icing. Of the icing. Of the icing. I'm going to have to look that up. I'm going to have to write that down. Yeah. But I, I, the one, of, one of the greatest things about Music Man is it, the whole catalyst is because they have a pool table, a pool mm-hmm. hall in there, and he's like, that spells trouble, so we're going to have to figure <laughs> out some other way to get your right, distraction. And... Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my dad's favorite musical, too. And um, a few years ago, he actually got to play Mayor Shin. Really? Yes. He's he's not an actor, but after he retired, he wanted to do some theater, you know, yeah. and uh, he had the chance to do Mirashin. Well, that's great. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So it, you, acting usually started with you around stage. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. And then you started to be into movies and the transition right. to movies. Right. And um, I first saw you was on Max Bishop. Um, oh, okay. I, I, I had a good report. I know, I know Jack. Uh, he's a good uh, friend of the show. He's actually been a previous guest. And Has he really? Okay. Yeah, and we've had a lot of people um, that's been in that movie on our show. So like Joel Thingall and Bruce Parcell uh-huh. and um, Chris has been on here. And yeah, um, we had cool. a lot of people from the crew that's been on that mm-hmm. movie. And um, it's just another person that we haven't had on the show yet that's been in the movie. So mm-hmm. that's the first time I got to see it was on Max Bishop. And, and of course, you played. I played uh, Principal Water. <laughs> Uh, who doesn't like kids and is afraid of parents. (laughs) (laughs) I have to admit, that's not far a stretch, yeah. So he's more of the administration department. He's not the teacher, he's more of the administration, yeah. So how did it come? How did you you get involved with the movie? Uh, Well, I've known Jack, actually, since he was 15. Uh, you know, and to this day, I still think of him as a kid, you know, <laughs> even though he's in his upper 20s now, I believe. Yeah, yeah. You know? He does have that persona. He's a little more, like on, I'm sure on the film side, he's almost like a kid playing in the playground. Yeah. Right, yeah, which is a good thing. Yes. Which is a good thing. Uh, yeah, but I met Jack when he was 15. He was doing uh, Health Freaks. And I'm not sure how I found out about Health Freaks, but uh, I heard about the auditions, knew it was in New Alm, so I the weekend off, drove all the way down to New Alm just to do the audition. Yeah. And um, got a fairly significant part in that one. I just want to mention for our listeners that are international, uh, New Alm is a city in Minnesota. And it's it, there's a city in Germany called Alm. And a lot of German migrants went to the, the place and they called it New Alm. So it's very heavily... German ancestry down in New Ulm. Very much so. Minnesota. Much so, yeah. I think they even have like a huge Oktoberfest down there. And a lot of the architecture is still the old, old oh, very German. Very much so, yes. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested, just take a tour down in New Ulm and you see like all the houses, the, the old houses, the architecture is still of the Germanic fashion. It's kind of fascinating, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you, and you have to do the the Shells Brewery tour too. Yeah, the Shells. Yes, yeah. 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 Did you have a, have you done the tours yet? I have. As a matter of fact, when um, I took the tour, not realizing that Jack Baranek was of that family. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He mentioned that on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was kind of interesting. I took the tour, went to the audition, and then they're like, "Oh, you're <laughs> part of that." Okay. <laughs> So going back to the movie, and it was filmed, Max Bishop was filmed in New Ulm, um, and then you, you just kind of uh, kind of auditioned for it, and Jack liked you for the part. And... Right. Well, it, it, the audition process was very intense. 
Um, it was between me and another actor uh, who's very well known and respected in this area. I don't. Can I say his name? Well, I, I don't know if it's up to. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just. I would rather focus on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just, for the record, I'll just say it was Jim Westcott. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was between me and him. Only I didn't know that at the time. And uh, Jack had me audition. Uh, I would say three times. And I'd be watching him, and he'd be trying to stifle his laughter every time I would read. <laughs> and then he would say, well, it's between you and this other guy. And he and um, I'm like, well, gee, how good is this other guy if you can't make up your mind when you're trying to stifle Yeah, that's the other guy. Like, oh, yeah. what am I doing? I hope I'm doing everything. I'm hitting the right chords. Or right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm glad I waited until after all my scenes were shot before I asked, who, well, who was this other guy? Because... I, I very much like and respect Jim Westcott, too, and, and had no idea I was up against him. When did you finally get to see the final cut of the film? Uh, the Twin Cities Film Festival last year. Oh, you were? Okay. Because I, I, I got the invitation ticket. I got, that, was, that was. Well, I missed yeah. the first screening. Okay. Yeah, uh, I had a I had to do a play that night and couldn't I, get out of it. Surprisingly, I am referring to the, I was at the second screening. Were you? Yeah, okay. I was, yeah. Uh, right. Both Kyle and I were at the second screening. Huh. We got uh, advanced tickets to see it. Well, I guess since we... Probably we were sitting right next to each other. You probably were. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a, when you first got to see it. Yeah, that was the first time I get, got to see it. Uh, you, I, know, I know you're familiar with your part. You play the, the kind of the very, uh, like, uh, principal, but he's very handicapped. He's very... You can't, he's not really... Flexing his muscle, I always say. It, yeah, <laughs> emotionally handicapped would be a good way of putting it. Right. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't the comfort. He avoiding confrontation at all means, which is mm-hmm. not a really good job trait to have when you're a principal. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But uh, when you read the script, were you kind of getting what Jack was kind of interjecting into the movie? Because when you sell it that it's going to be a hitman janitor a former mob hitmaster uh hitman for the mob and now he's going to be a janitor at the school that you thought it was going to be more like an action movie i saw a lot of stills that was going to be no, an action I, yeah. I, i'm familiar with jack's style of filmmaking and i know he can be kind of uh different right yeah and so i mean i i kind of sort of knew what what he was going uh with the the film overall yeah because there's a it's a it's a comedy. It's a it's a dark comedy. Yeah, it's yes. a dark comedy. There mm-hmm. is, um, I would have to say, it's a far more funny than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And I think Jack um, definitely is trying to. He's basically building up his kind of his own genre with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well, and and I think he'll succeed at that. He's like I said, he can be he can be different than what you would normally expect. Yeah. From certain things. So you guys, I think you primarily filmed it in the summer when school was out. You got into the, because there's a lot of scenes of in the in the school. Uh, if I remember, it was mostly spring um, because my school scenes were shot overnight. And they did it that way because kids were going to be in the school during the day. Right. So it was mostly spring. Is that kind of, you know, especially when you're doing a scene at like 10 o'clock at night, it's kind of mm. hard for... Oh, I'm used to it. I, most of my movies are shot overnight. Overnight, yeah. yeah. And I'm kind of a night owl anyway, so. I actually, I, and I, 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 I'm a writer too because I do my comic book writing and I'm doing, I'm submitting some short films, but I, I do a lot of my writing after 10 p.m. And I do a lot of my illustrating during the day. So, yeah, I'm sure, and then you experience, you get a lot of people submitting stuff probably at midnight or 1 a.m. Right, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you look at my Facebook postings, you know, you'll see a lot of them are like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so. Which I, and I, it's not because I'm just trying to be a rebel, but I, I, I appreciate the quietness mm-hmm. and the and the, the, the yeah. subtraction of distraction because there's not a lot of noises, the dogs are sleeping, and you get to just have a little sanctuary of the whole environment and plus if you're writing a movie that has or a script or a story that takes place at night i think it's best that you write it during the night or right yeah have you ever tried writing uh well i i have done some writing oh you uh, have um well good i would say well uh my former employee they used to have this thing called the 20-year club or the covered wagon club yeah 
And basically what it is, if, you, if you're a veteran of the company for 20 years, you get to join this club. And part of the initiation is you have to put on a show for the alumni. And uh, they had professional writers at one point, but then they decided for budget purposes not to have the professional writer. Okay. And I said, well, hey, I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for two or three years, uh, I actually did co-write uh, a cup, uh, some of the musicals that the, the inductees had to put on for the, for the alumni. Well, that's, oh, are you, so you wrote also wrote the music for it? Uh, well, uh, we, had a, we had a music director who, uh, okay. bas- but basically we just took songs and changed the words. Because I was going to say, if you write music, that's a whole different discipline. No, uh, yeah. I, I sing, uh, but I, I don't write music. Um, that's a whole different aspect, right. yeah. And then also, uh, a number of years ago, probably about 10 years ago, I would say, I actually did write a short film that uh, did go to a couple of film festivals, which was kind of cool. What was it called? Uh, the film was called uh, uh, Showdown, two words, Showdown at the OK Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the basic plot. You already got me with the title. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's do it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, basically, the plot was a, a movie theater usher with an overactive imagination, and he imagines himself in the Old West having a shootout with one of the patrons. <laughs> so check it out; it's on it's on IMDb. Ah, uh, yeah, we'll definitely put the link on there. Um, yeah. When did you, when did you guys when, when when did you guys do it? Like ten years? You said it was about ten years ago. Yes. Ten years ago. Um, the the main character was named Marvin, and he was uh, a movie theater usher, and the 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 villain was the sweet tart kid, and when I wrote the script, I actually had it, adults in mind for it, but when I took it to this group that I used to belong to All and right. they read it, they said, "Well, as long as you're calling your character the sweet tart kid, why not have it be an actual kid?" And I was like, "Hey, that's a good idea. I think I will do that." And that's nice. Yeah. yeah. So, were you were you part of production or you just wrote it or? I was part of the production, but uh, my, uh, a couple of my best friends, uh, they were the main driving force be- behind the actual um, produc- production side of it. Yeah. And uh, Chris, um, Chris Devane was Marvin. Was well, the previous guest on the show? Yeah, Chris. Yes, uh, yeah. he was Marvin, and I believe that was his first ever film. Uh, you'll have to ask him, but I'm pretty sure it was his first we'll ever have film. Have, we'll have to come back on. We we'll have to have Chris come back on. We'll ask him. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah well, yeah, would you ever? Do you ever like think of doing writing again? Uh, I like to continue writing. I have a whole bunch of comedy scripts just sitting around um, that I would like to see produced. Uh, so if anybody's looking for comedy scripts, you know. Let me know. <laughs> Please contact Timothy Mikey if you want a comedy. So that's kind of the word that that's kind of like your playground comedy genres. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I, comedy is my best uh, genre. Is that where you're most comfortable doing? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, how did that? Uh, do you have a? How did that spark? Do you have like a certain influence? Is it more like screwbally, or you oh, kind of you kind of paint with broad structures? With a... I kind of paint with broad strokes. Uh, okay, there is some screwbally uh, stuff. Um, Showdown was basically uh, a spoof on westerns. Uh, it was John Wayne meets Clint Eastwood. <laughs> what, what was what I was going for? Yeah, when, yeah. I, when I wrote that, it's surprising we never got that. Yeah. We never got that a legitimate film of. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, I'm sure, well, in your background, because um, you, when you were a kid, you got bombarded by westerns. By what? You got bombarded with, as a kid with westerns on TV. Yes, and, yes, and westerns were very and, big when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm of that age. <laughs> and I think it's even because we think we're getting bombarded with superhero movies. It still doesn't compared to the amount of saturation of westerns it was in books and pulps and comics and films and i'm sure you got a western once a week and Gunsmoke and all mm-hmm. that yeah oh yeah did you have a favorite western well i yeah you mentioned Gunsmoke. i like Gunsmoke. um yeah 
Yeah, I I watched westerns, but I I really can't say that I had a favorite. I guess whatever was on was my favorite at the time. Yeah, <laughs> I always um I'm a, my favorite will be the Searchers. Okay. I like the Searchers. I do um because it's kind of John Ford's mm. kind of nihilistic. <laughs> it's very uh, very not really a positive atmosphere but um you Lee Marvin is my favorite one of my favorite okay. actors so mm-hmm. him and um John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart and the man who shot Liberty Valance is right. one of my favorites yeah yeah, yeah I got to say uh, I probably appreciate westerns now more than I did as a kid you know um yeah well yeah. we don't get as many don't we no, they don't make them anymore. But you know, you you watch the old ones. You know, I guess I like the Cowboys, um, yeah. Silverado. Um, yeah, I used to have my uh, my grandpa's uh, cowboy outfit when I was a kid in the early eighties. Okay. So I had the vest and I had the whole gun holsters and mm-hmm. I would have uh, you know the whole the hat, you know the whole and I would use it to be Han Solo. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. When we were shooting Showdown, uh, when I was in high school, uh, the urban cowboy was the fashion at the time. Oh, the, the kind of the rejuvenation, uh, the yeah. rediscovery of Westerns, but yeah. we'll put it in disco. So when, so when we had costumes, I said, well, I got all these clothes from my high school years that you can use. <laughs> if anybody didn't know, the urban cowboy, John Travolta. John Travolta, yes. And it's kind of like, let's bring disco, but into the kind of country music. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah so. Which we kind of did in the 80s was we blended genres all the time, where we took disco and we took horror movies and where they made them funny and mm-hmm. funny movies and made them scary and all that right, stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, with the writings, did you ever think about even doing like a, something out, like a, a novel or something like that? Well, I I've aspired for years to write a novel, um, but then I got into script writing, and you know, it's easier to do. Really, right? Yeah, I, I I don't want to mention his name, but I have somebody who specifically just writes script writing because he, he gets so bothered by describing trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> well, if you do it like when you're a novelist, you got to describe right. the atmosphere. Yeah. Well, and for me, you know, the novels, you know, you, you have to get inside your character's head, and you have to describe trees, like you said, and and uh, script writing, you can just say, you know. John does this, Jane does this, Freddie does this, and yeah, you pretty much got it. <laughs> and I, I do that when I do even storyboards or script because I like to leave it a little bit open for the because it's it's not a it's a group project. So if somebody comes in, well, I'm thinking about this outfit. Well, that's why I didn't write it because I want you to kind of work with your part, you know, or or a, a setting of a house and the art director is like, well, I got this location, I think it'll work. So mm-hmm. yeah, you kind of almost want to do a little more broad stroking mm-hmm. with your script writing, mm-hmm. where of a novel, you got it all figured out yeah. in your mind yeah. and what up. Well, I got to say, when I first started writing scripts, I mean, I used to say, okay, he's wearing a green shirt and he's going to walk 10 paces this way. And after yeah. a while, I was kind of like, no, just have him wear whatever he's going to wear and have them walk this way. You know, you don't want to put too much detail. You know, no, no. And, I, and I think that helps because people are like, well, I got an idea. And then you're like, you never thought about that. And I was like, well, that, like you said, with the, the oh, other yeah. party, yeah. With, yeah. with the, uh, the adults versus kids. You know, I, yeah. I wrote a showdown with the with adults in mind. Yeah. And someone said, well, just have them be kids. And I'm like, hey, that's a great idea. I'll do that. <laughs> so, and, and then you, I mean, I think we but you love writing at night, right? Uh, yeah, that's about when I seem to do be my most creative is at night. Uh, do you kind of do an outline when you write? Yeah, I do it the old-fashioned way. I have no, uh, notebooks, you know, the you know, the spiral. Right. Bring, the old spiral notebook, yeah, yeah, yeah and just load it. I have it. a pen, and I just write and, you know, cross out, uh, X out and write some more. Cross out, X out, write some more. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I don't do too well on computers, so I have a little trouble. You do the. You keep up with the old-fashioned way. Well, yeah. we had computer trouble when we get started, so I think you're a lot I smarter. Did. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Do you do, do, do you still work on a typewriter? Uh, I ha- I still have a typewriter, but you I still do. Yeah, I haven't used it in a while though. Um, problem with my computer is I. I struggle with Word. 
I know. I, when I, especially when I write too, I, my brain goes faster than mm. my hands right. or my eyes. Yeah. So when I write, I, I miss stuff. I miss small words. Mm -hmm. And so I have to do multiple redrafts to kind of right. flourish because I am, I think, so far advanced to what I'm actually writing. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it, and words just flow easier when you're, when you got a pen and paper. Um, yeah, uh, I do have a tendency to to leave out words when I write, you know. So, the went to the bank. <laughs> Who went to the bank? Oh, the, the the boy went to the bank. You know that kind, that kind of a thing. I'm only laughing because it's so. Yeah, I know the whole. Yeah, that sounds like me. Yeah. What? Who are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have a tendency to leave out entire words whenever I write. Now I have a funny question, and this is the last question before we go to break here. Um, but when you and I. And I have this experience. I just want to know if you have the same experience. Well, that I do. But when you do extensive writing and then you go out in the real world and talk to people, do you get frustrated how the dialogue is going? You're like, no, you should answer me this. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, well, you can see I'm not the most eloquently speaking person in the world. <laughs> uh, I seem to be more eloquent when I write. Right. Yeah. And my sister, who is a writer, also a writer, um, she has read some of my stuff, and she once told me, I said, she said, Tim, you know, you're very good with the dialogue. And I said, well, that's because I have entire conversations in my head. <laughs> yes, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So, yeah, maybe there is a little bit of frustration, you know, that the conversations inside my head don't happen in real life. I uh, know, it doesn't break. That's what <laughs> right. Because I'm doing, a, I'm writing a script, a sequel. And I'm writing the dialogue, and then you you take a break, and you go out and hang out with your neighbors and talking, and like, and then he's like, "No, you should ask me this way." <laughs> right. yeah, no, no. <laughs> uh -huh. Oh, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. And you ever get that? Uh, you have a conversation with somebody, and then hours later, you're like, "Oh, you know, I should have said this." Or, right. Or, that, the many times. Right. Yeah, oh, I, 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 my, my, I transvert. I, I should have corrected myself. Right. Uh -huh. Okay, well, well, we're going to take a little break here, and we'll be back with more Timothy Mikey. Well, hello, everyone. I am Billy Dees from the self-titled Billy Dees Podcast. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and many more of the best podcast networks. Join me for my commentary and interviews. Follow me on Twitter, really easy to find, at Billy Dees. I am Billy Dees. I'd love to have you listen to Hi, everybody. This is I Shake My Head with Lisa and Sam. Hello. Okay, four things people need to know right off the top, Lisa. Tell them. 20 years, besties. Woohoo! <laughs> Two. <laughs> We're almost 50. No, Samantha, stop that. Just stop that. You're almost 50. Whatever. Oh. Three, we podcast from my car. We're sitting inside your car right now. Four, we're from Canada. We're from the heart of the prairies. We're from Saskatchewan. And if you're unsure if that's a real place, just Google it. Yeah, but we also bring you a new episode every single Friday. We do. It's about an hour long, but you know what? Time goes by quick. Because <laughs> we're just two crazy women bantering, talking about lighthearted topics. Talking over each other all the time. We argue, we disagree, but we always go back to laughing we do we just want to be the least stressful part of your week exactly so you can listen to us on podbean itunes and any other podcast app that you have we're all over social media we're on twitter facebook and instagram All right, we're back with Timothy Mikey, and I have to say, um, we're talking about comedies and stuff like that, and I, I would have to mention, because just right behind him, and I'll show him his, my statues of the, the Marsh Brothers. Hmm. And um, I don't, do you have a favorite comedy group? Uh, obviously, mine is Marsh Brothers, but what's hmm. kind of your kind of little... Oh, um, well, I never really thought about that, but I guess uh, I like the original uh, Saturday Night uh, Live... The original cast. The original cast. Uh, what was I like? To, I mean, because, you know, well, that, I was, I when was, you first see that and you mm -hmm. see, like, they pretty much close up the studio shop and let the kids run it. You pretty know? much, yes. I was about 12 years old at the time when I first saw Saturday Night Live. And, you know, a lot of the satire went, went over my head at, <laughs> at the time. But, 
No, I appreciated the, the sketch uh, comedy. Yeah. yeah, the sketch comedy. I like sketch. Love sketch comedy. I think if it, do you, I, I remember why the Staring Alive started is because NBC lost the rights to rerun Johnny Carson, so they had an open slot because he started oh, to own okay. all his reproductions, and he would not release it to NBC. So they had a gap of. What can we do on Saturday night? Because they would run Johnny Carson, best of Johnny Carson oh, of the week. Okay, and I don't think I knew that. And so Johnny was having control over it. So they needed a slot, and then they had a bunch of fresh writers, and like, here you go, mm-hmm. you have an open hour of doing whatever you want, and that's how Saturday Night Live started. Oh, I did not. I don't think I knew that. Well, then didn't Second City start after that? Uh, I'm not really familiar with uh, Second City. I I, I know okay. of it, and I know yeah. who you know. Like it's we, like in Chicago, and they yeah. kind of they kind of blend together. Yeah, well, certain people come from Second City to go to Saturday Live, and all right. that. Yeah, uh, I liked uh, Kids in the Hall. They uh, <laughs> they were funny, and I liked. Um, Mad well, TV. yeah, you said that name, and I started laughing. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I liked Mad TV at first, but they, it got old really quickly. Very acidic. It was like very acidic yeah. comedy. Yeah, and after a while, it just wasn't that funny anymore. No, I think they're trying to work more to be more, how far repulsive can we get? Yeah, I think that was probably it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever tried to do, like, uh, because you like comedy, like writing comedy, have you ever tried to do, like, some, like, stand-up? Well, that, oh, as a matter of fact, I'm glad you brought that up. (laughs) A couple of years ago, I actually did kind of thought, hey, it would be kind of cool to... um, do a stand-up comedy. I went to a, uh, uh, well, I guess I'll say it, a burlesque show Okay. somewhere. I, I don't remember whose it was, but it was a burlesque show. And, uh, Filled in one, the time slots they have to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when they do costume changes, they need somebody. Right. Well, at one point, uh, the MC was up there on stage doing something, and um, she wanted to introduce someone who was doing a, a gangster theme act. And she said, now, if anybody can do a, a gangster accent, uh, please let me know. And I, I stood up and I said, hey, you guys, you, you've got to stay for this next show. And I started doing this whole thing. And so she, she brought me up on stage and had me. Did you look the part a little bit? Did you? Uh, yeah. I got, I, <laughs> And it was after that that I was like, well, hey, maybe I'll uh, do a stand-up comedy routine. So I I put one together, mostly my dad's bad old jokes, (laughs) cobbled them together into a story. And then, uh, are you familiar with Broken Clock uh, Co-op Brewery? No. No. What is that? Is that local? It's a local brewery. It's it's in northeast Minneapolis. Uh, I'm a part owner of that. Uh, It's a co-op, so I I own a small piece of it. And it's called uh, Broken... Broken Clock. Broken Clock. Yeah. Well, we'll have to put the link on. We'll have to put the link on there. Okay. Okay, we'll do that. They had had an amateur night, and so I I did a three-minute routine with, you know, my dad's old jokes <laughs> and, and to see how it goes right <laughs> to see how it goes and and i think it went over pretty well i think it's uh, i think stand-up comedy because it's an you're basically exposed you have nowhere to hide mm-hmm. and you either you're funny or not and right. you have to it's a, a it's a hard skill to develop did you did you enjoy the experience doing it i did enjoy the, enjoy the experience um but i i kind of realized i was I need needed new material, <laughs> and probably something original too. I mean, I did a whole thing about you know being married to a woman, and I'd never been married, so I mean that's kind of. I had a wonderful story about stand-up comedy. I was watching because when uh, David Letterman retired, and that's how he got started was doing stand-up comedy. Him and um, Gary Shandling and all that, all that troops uh, were working on the material and doing co- their comedy, you know, developing it on stage and. Then they, they heard, like, somebody, this Robin Williams is coming. Like, well, that's is it a guy, a girl, what? And they didn't know about this person. And and he came on stage. He didn't have anything scripted. And he went and he just ate it up and he just killed it. And uh, David Letterman says, I turned to Gary. Here, and Gary Shaling and I have volumes of notebooks of jokes. And we just... Ah, oh, the heck with it. I mean, he, he shows he just you know, he just goes oh, up there. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen him perform. He's he's he was something. Yeah, he really was. It's like a I I don't know what is going on with like the constant firing, the constant spark plugs going on in his brain. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I will say improv uh, in general has never been one of my strong suits. I, I need a script and I need a... Structure. Structure. I need a structure when I do my my uh, stuff. Yeah, and well, Louis Anderson from Minnesota talked about how it's, it's, you have to understand, they have to read the room a little bit too. Mm-hmm. And you have to navigate the room to know what's going to be work and how to right. trans... It's, so it's a lot of interpretations and it's it's... Yeah, you can't just read off your index card right. and all that stuff. Yeah. And as far as reading the room goes, I used to be really bad at that. I've gotten better at it, but well, that um, takes from experience. Yeah, it doesn't? takes practice yeah. and you know experience. So, are you still doing stand up? No, I, actually, that was just the one time that I well I, that I did that, and um, if I have an opportunity to do it again, I probably would like to do it. Well, it, I think it goes hand in hand where. Especially if you work in the area of of comedy, that you have to at least experience what it's like to do stand up because mm-hmm. stand ups do need their own kind of writers. Right. They need so, right. um, or like in a writer's room and stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know the link, but uh, it is on YouTube somewhere. Uh, of I think you it, doing stand up? Of me doing the stand up? Yes. I think if you just uh, you know, go, to, go to YouTube and type, <laughs> type in my name, it should come up. You know, so so uh, first, you have a favorite SNL cast member, hmm. or you like just the whole idea? Of it, it's or? just the whole idea. I mean, uh, I can't really say that I have a favorite cast member. I liked them all really. Yeah, you know, Jane Curtin and Chevy Chase and uh, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say I have a real favorite. <laughs> and do when you do you do you think you like the sketch comedy like uh, writing it or yeah I like well you know it sketch comedy it's basically how can you tell one joke for five minutes right yeah you know, like uh, Cheech and Chong how do you make a career out of one joke yeah right. exactly that's pretty much one joke and they made yeah, it yeah <laughs> exactly yeah and and so I think that's why I like it because you know, it's it's trying to build a story. Yeah. Around um, uh, one joke. <laughs> yeah, um, they made a fortune out of one. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I, I actually wrote, um, well, several sketches, really, that was just based on a, uh, on a funny joke that I heard. And I was like, oh, I bet I can make a three-minute story out of that. Um, another stand-up, very stand-up uh, comedian that came from Minnesota is Mitch Hedberg, and he did a... He, Mm. He passed away, and he's very much the writer's comedy. He would write down the jokes, and um, and he sadly died of his drug drug addiction. But he, his um, living girlfriend said it was very hard to live with him because they would have a serious conversation or they would have an argument. And he's like, oh, wait a minute. Wait, stop, stop. I have a joke. And he would interrupt the, she goes, no, I'm still <laughs> mad at you. And we have to be like, no, no, I got this idea. And he had to like, stop. And he'll write the joke uh-huh. and go, okay. Come back to being mad at me again. <laughs> <laughs> I know people like that. Uh, uh, yeah. Their their mind works so quickly, and and it, it matches their mouths, and you, it's hard to keep up with them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, it's, they're hard to to talk to because their their mind works so quickly. And I would try and want to transition to because like sketch comedy, but it kind of evolved from vaudeville. Mm-hmm. Where vaudeville is a little more rehearsed sketch comedy, where mm-hmm. you didn't have an opportunity to write it, but you just went out there and see what worked and mm-hmm. what worked, and you played and played and played, and that's how Mark Sawyer's got famous because they worked on their sketching. They didn't really write it, but they just acted it out and see what was going to work, and that's mm-hmm. why when you watch like the Marx Brothers, how it looks so smooth. Well, that's been doing that same bit for twenty years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you when you write comedy? Can you can you can tell it's going to work, or do you have to well, kind of die like give it to other people to realize? Or I I don't know. A lot of times, what I think is hilarious, yeah. other people don't get, and I I you know probably shouldn't say this, but I get a little frustrated when people don't get my humor. <laughs> <laughs> I get well. I think it's. Goes to the other spectrum of scary movies, right? It was, uh-huh. I, I really like this Harold movie. I don't like it. What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty yeah. much. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my sometimes my humor can be a little, a little offbeat. I mean, uh, you know, like Showdown, for example. Um, it's it's cowboys shooting each other with candy. <laughs> you know, and a, a lot of people didn't get that. And I'm like, well, what's not to get? It's just just. Childish play, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just you know, 
Sorry, I'm bumping the table. Here. But it, yeah, it's like the you know the old cap guns when we were kids. And uh-huh. oh, how yeah. are we not falling down? I, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Our laser tag. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, I have to say because I, one of the, the first time ever I saw uh, What's Up Doc. Okay. I've never seen that before till this year. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich, uh, okay. his, his second fi- feature film, which he wanted to do, uh, What's Up Doc with um, uh, uh, Buck uh, Henry. And, and, and yeah, yeah, Barbara Streisand and um, O'Neill, yeah, Ryan, Ryan O'Neill. O'Neill yeah. And it was written by Buck Henry, who was okay. a, another oh, okay. SNL writer. Uh-huh. And I think he was a frequent guest to write of uh-huh. SNL. But uh-huh. I think that's another one of those homages to screwball comedy. If you mm-hmm. like screwball oh, comedy sure. yeah. and the old-fashioned uh, What's Up Doc. and Definitely screwball comedy. Yeah. Well, that, the whole t- that's how uh, Barbara Streisand introduces herself to Ryan O'Neill. She just goes up to him and goes, "What's up, Doc? <laughs> What's up, Doc?" Yeah. <laughs> and then it ends with the with that cartoon. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved. Uh, well, the, I like the ending of it because I, if you don't want to know the ending, but it is funny of Barbara Streisand going up to Ryan O'Neill and she goes, "Love means never meet this, never have to say you're sorry." He's like. That's the stupidest thing. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah. yeah. From Love Story. <laughs> Hopefully no spoiler alerts there, but... Uh, yeah. Now, there's something, because we lost Buck Henry, I think, uh, last year. But um, right. but something I didn't learn, uh, something I learned about from him, and he was a good comedic writer, he also did a little dramedy, but as a kid, his mom did extra uh, in movies in the 40s. Mm-hmm. And she was an extra on the Maltese Falcon. She brought him on set. Okay. So, like, a lot of the exterior of him, Humphrey Bogart, walking on the streets and everything, and she was an extra, and she would be there, but she didn't have daycare, and she would bring him. And he goes, Mm -hmm. there are scenes where I'm hitting in the stairwell while they're shooting because they couldn't, I was hiding. Mm -hmm. And he got to play around on the set of the Maltese Falcon as they're filming it. How cool for him. I know. There is a still photo of him sitting down with Humphrey Bogart. Okay. In between takes of setting up and stuff like that. Oh, so okay, very cool. Yeah, I like that uh, knowledge. I didn't because that's one of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. Maltese Falcon, and it's nice to know that Buck Henry was a kid on set when they filmed it. You know, I gotta say, I honestly can't remember if I've ever seen the Maltese Falcon. Really? Um, if I have, it was a long time ago. Um, but I liked Humphrey Bogart. I've seen you have to several come of here. movies. Okay, you have to come here because I probably watch it once every two months. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, then another, well, it's based on a book by Dashiell Hammett. So if you want to, the okay. book, there's not much difference between the book and the movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, other than the little more uh, intimacy than they can show in the movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. uh, Mary was... Astor's character and every mm-hmm. both got character have a little more inti- intimacy and then in the, mov- the book than they do in the movie. And this was back in the day when a lot of movies... Uh, the most faithful they stayed to the book was keeping the title. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we say Maltese Falcon, and that's kind of a misleading because that is the third remake. That's not the original. The original oh, is actually okay. a silent film version. Uh-huh. Then they did another version of a comedy with, I uh, uh, can't remember, it was a comedy called My Dinner with Satan or something like that. Okay. And then the third time is the charm where they give it to John Houston to direct. It's called oh, the Maltese okay. Falcon. So that's kind of funny. We say the Maltese Falcon, but it's the third remake, hmm. which is kind of we say that with Wizard of Oz. We uh-huh. like the Wizard of Oz, but that is a remake. There is a silent film version. Yeah, I think I have heard that. Yeah, so there's a lot of movies. Uh, you, like Ben-Hur, for example, the the uh, Charlton Heston version. That's not the original. No. Not the first movie. No. They would, um, and I did a lot of research because I had to do a paper on Ben-Hur, but that was... That was a massive play, and it was a big deal to have a book. And it, mm-hmm. I think it was a after the Civil War, during the Restoration, when it was written mm-hmm. and published, that it was the most second popular book outside the Bible, that everybody had this wow, book okay. and the Bible, uh-huh. and okay. they would read it, and then they would have plays. Mm-hmm. And when they have the plays for Ben-Hur, they would put real horses strapped onto sliding gates to reenact the race. Oh, so they would fasten real horses though uh-huh. on these gates to f- reenact the race on a, a grounded stage. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Well, we won't do that anymore, <laughs> and we won't punish animals and strap them to sliding, right. reenact the race and everything, and, and falling down and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So, mm. and of course, it's a gargantuan play. People mm-hmm. sold out. Um, you're going to make it into a movie. Yeah. Well, I've seen the uh, the silent version of the film, and that was a massive. 
film for its day. Yeah, you don't get the, the you think silent film. They just did a small budget in the studio, but it was mm-hmm. on site and it was. But yeah, it was huge. still pretty impressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. I am still impressed how they did the ben, the Charlton Heston version because mm-hmm. yeah. it still it still works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, especially when they you realize how it took a year to train the horses. So it took a year to figure it <laughs> out. So they had to hire somebody wow. to work with horses. Mm-hmm. So it took them. Um, he said he said it, I watched this PBS special about just the aspect of making the race work. Okay, and they took. It took him three months to figure out what horses work together. Mm-hmm. It took a month. To f- it took him a month to find four white horses that uh-huh. work together, uh-huh. and then it took him another six months just to do the racing and get used to jumping over stuff. So oh, you like okay. a pile. Of, you do small uh-huh. stuff like a pile of hay to where you work up bigger, bigger, bigger until uh-huh. jumping over it to you know bodies and everything. That's no problem. They so. put a lot of thought and effort into that didn't they <laughs> right yes yes <laughs> yeah. so it's a it's kind of interesting to know that what you see in a movie that takes 10 minutes mm-hmm. it's probably a year oh, or more yeah. just uh, of development to it yeah. having having done some films now it's, it's interesting you know what what you experience on the set doesn't always show on the screen you know it's <laughs> like uh, the first movie I did was uh, a movie called The Last Word and I, basically, I was just a juror on a jury. And so my only experience with that film was the courtroom. So I'm thinking, oh, this must be a, a, right. a legal drama. Yeah. When I saw the movie, the, the courtroom scenes were a very, very tiny part of the overall film. So, I mean, that was when I learned, you know, what you see isn't necessarily what's going <laughs> to be the final project. I did have a, 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 a revelation just like that because I did a participate in a commercial when I was at the University of Minnesota for the athletic department because mm-hmm. I, I actually did work inside the athletic building and I saw the casting call we need somebody to fill the stands for a commercial for the sports you know mm-hmm. all right what the heck so and it was a, it was 12 hours we were there for 12 hours mm-hmm. and then the commercial is only like 20 seconds <laughs> right yeah <laughs> you know, 12 hours worth of work for 20 seconds yeah, yes. right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and I think that doesn't really if you don't work inside the movies, you don't understand that the, what you see is probably months and months and months of mm. oh, developing. Definitely. And I have, yeah. again, you know, having some experience in that area, I, I know that now. <laughs> How did you get involved with Last Word? How did, Last Word? Uh, uh, your first movie. Uh, I owe it to my sister again, <laughs> the acting <laughs> one. Uh, we were in a play together, and she had a friend who was doing the casting for, for that movie. Huh. And... Uh, she told her that, uh, hey, we, hey, we need some people to be on the jury. And my sister said, oh, well, my brother will do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I, I, uh, I was told to go to the Hennepin County courthouses in, in Edina and uh, just showed up and sat in a box. And Nice. The rest is history. The rest is history. Like, <laughs> that's probably one of the best jobs to get in a movie is just to be a juror. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just sit yeah. there and like watch every watch uh-huh. the great performances. Well, overall, I love doing extras works. Um, being a main character or you know a supporting character is carrying a movie. Great, yeah, yeah. but I love being the background artist because I can just kind of sit back and just kind of watch it all happen, yeah. and I don't feel the pressure to have to you know carry the show or anything like that. I just kind of. You know, just sit back and let it all happen. Have you ever got, um, with your sister in an introduction to acting, you ever guys ever consider doing something together? Uh, we talked about it. Uh, we were going to do a, um, a Fringe Festival play. But we never got around to it. Um, we've, we've done a number of shows together. Oh, you have? Okay. Yeah. Um, in fact, it was kind of interesting. I, I mentioned Abdi, I sing earlier in the show. Yes. Um, when they were doing the casting, they cast me as the vice president, and they almost cast my sister as the, my love interest. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 that would have been a little uh, awkward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's consider somebody else. Yeah, and I hope my sister didn't lose out on that part because of that. But <laughs> but uh, we were both kind of grateful that uh, that didn't happen. Although yeah. we were in a production of cabaret one time and she played the i forget her name but she she was basically a hooker 
And yeah. uh, I was one of her customers. <laughs> yeah. But that's about as weird as it ever got. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still acting. You, you, you get great stories with it, right? Yeah. 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 But, uh, that would have been a little weird, especially since she's so much older than I am. Would you guys ever think about doing like a writing together? Yeah, like I said, we almost, we, we talked about doing a Fringe Festival thing. Okay. Um, uh, she's, she writes books. Yeah. Uh, she's a historical uh, book writer. In fact, she got one out now called. Uh, I'll, I'll, pardon my friend. Pardon me. Pardon your French, right? We're talking French. Yeah, <laughs> She's got one out right now called uh, Alvin Carpus and the Barker Gang in St. Paul, and it's uh, the Barker Gang when they Ma, used to hang Ma Barker and her Ma gang. Ma Barker and uh, Doc and and uh, Freddie and and the others, and uh, Alvin Carpus was part of that gang. Yeah. yeah. She's and that's. Um, and it's an historical book. It's an historical book. Um, and for those of you who don't know, during the 1930s, St. Paul was a haven for gangsters on the run. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so... Um, when If it got a little too heated or a little too close, so you're going to get caught in Chicago, mm-hmm. they would flee here. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If you're yes. in St. Paul. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they had an arrangement with the St. Paul... Police yeah. department. Hey, if you got an itch, you got to rob a bank. Take the train to Minneapolis. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. Don't no, do it here. No crimes within St. Paul city limits. Minneapolis is okay. Yeah. Just take the train and go to Minneapolis <laughs> yeah. and do it. Just don't do it yeah. here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Which is a fascinating thing because it, it was it it makes it a little more. And if if you didn't know Minneapolis St. Paul, St. Paul's a little more traditional mm-hmm. architecture, a little mm-hmm. more of the thirties. Where Minneapolis is a little more modern, right? A little more the. Uh, I, I don't. I hesitate to use the word, but St. Paul is a little more staid. You know, they're they're a little more grounded. A little more grounded. A little more. I don't want to say this word either, frumpy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. And, and you wouldn't think this would be part of the history, but it is. Yeah. Well, I think it's fascinating that you build a whole city off of a cliff to the river. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the, the building that I live in, uh, if you're familiar with Selby Avenue. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Selby himself owned the building that I lived in at one t- that I do live in at oh, one really? time. Yeah. Um, and it was one of the first buildings to be built above the cliffs. Right, yeah. Which is why the streets are all, because they didn't really have a city planner. This people Mm. came here originally like, I want to build my building right here because that's a good view of the river. And now now figure out how we want to do with the city. Yeah, Right, pretty much, yeah. (laughs) Well, I think, do you like, do you ever get the chance to go back to downtown St. Paul? Uh, Well, I I have a friend who lives in downtown St. Paul, so I I visit him quite frequently. It's kind of fascinating, I do, because they have the whole cliffs aspect where the the arena is, but then you have the little lower town, which is mm-hmm. kind of where the the atmosphere of bars and stuff like right. that. So, yeah. Well, I it's it's the river cliffs. Yeah. More city, more cliffs, city. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's pretty much how St. Paul is laid out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think it's and then I wrote my book. That's why my, my my crime story book, The Greenway, oh, okay. takes place in St. Paul. Well, you should you should meet my sister. I bet the two of you would have a lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I, I Stephen Thayer's book, uh, Saint Mud. Yes, I've read Saint Mud. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is all about the details of right. during mm-hmm. Prohibition yeah. in the thirties of the yeah. journalist. Yeah, uh, I, I'll I could tell you the opening line, but this is a family show, <laughs> right? <laughs> but he he spent years researching for St. Mud, Stephen Thayer, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah. just going to the what was like the public library and just reading newspaper upon newspapers mm-hmm. and all that, accounts yeah. and stuff like that. So wonderful book, St. Mud. It's a, it's a pretty good book. I, I I struggled with the language a little bit, but yeah. uh, other than if you can get past the language, it's a good book. Right, and especially <laughs> like that time era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you still, I mean, because there's a lot of caves. Do you have you visit the caves here in St. Paul? I used to work for the caves at, at oh, one kidding. time. Yeah. Um, my sister uh, works for the caves, and a lot of my friends work for the caves, and I, I worked briefly uh, at the caves as well. Wow. So... If anybody didn't, you're not familiar with St. Paul, there's a lot of outside, well, across the river, there's a lot of 
caves for the cliffs, and you know that's where they had their the bar set up for right. prohibition. You just set up in there and have your yeah. party, and yeah. There's a there's a nightclub inside uh, the the caves uh, at some of the caves. In case yeah. anybody doesn't know that, yeah, it's just really eerie, but yeah. Yeah, that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Wabasha Street Caves, but unfortunately, they will be closing at the end of November. I think it's getting a little more, you can't, safety reasons, right? Well, it's safety reasons, uh, plus, um, this is just my opinion. I think the owners want to retire, Okay. and they haven't been able to find a buyer for the caves. Well, it's a lot of, I mean, the insurance has to be. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. They originally bought the caves because uh, he is in construction, and he was going to use the caves to store his equipment. But uh, they saw what the caves, the interior looked like, and thought, you know, hey, we we can make this an entertainment venue. Yeah, yeah. So, well, does there does uh, have you been down there recently? Not recently, no. Okay. Um, been probably been a couple of years since I was there last. Because we just had a collapse along the street, like. Like last year, of like a, a big rock. Oh, where the uh, tower used to be. Well, yeah, yeah. It yeah. went and fell over on the street. Yeah, right. so they had yes. to mm-hmm. fix that up. So yeah, it's a lot different than uh, how it used to look. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say, Timothy, thanks for coming, man. Oh well, thank you very much for having me. We'll definitely have to come on. We have to do some kind of a sketch comedy thing, or oh, I would love that, I or some of like the old-fashioned radio sketch comedy thing for an oh, episode. Oh, that would be cool. Maybe you and I can write something together. We can do that. that for yeah, the, the old-fashioned radio thing of comedy radio bits. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Where didn't Sid's, I think Sid Caesar got fame. That's how he got started with the radio and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, well, thanks for coming. Oh, again, thank you very much for having me. Um, as you know, it's not over. To the guests say it's over. Oh, I have to say that, huh? Okay. All right, folks. Well, uh, this is the St. Paul Film Podcast. Yeah. And it is this particular episode. It is now over. All right. (laughs)